welcome to the latest edition of the Daily Sun Sports Podcast. My name is Jeff Shane, specialty editor at the Daily Sun. Drew Schaltry joins me as he always does. It's going to be a little bit of a short segment this week as it's a busy week. It's been really a busy couple of weeks with high school playoffs and and other projects that are going on in the Daily Sun newsroom. Uh, But we will start by looking at the high school side of things, uh, playoffs winding down, getting to the finish line, literally in some cases, because it is the uh, state track meets that are coming up later on this week. VHS and Wildwood both sending uh, a sizable contingent to the state meet up in Jacksonville. VHS baseball and VHS softball also begin their regional journeys this week uh, in quest of uh, perhaps an improbable Final Four berth, but uh, they have a chance nonetheless, as we saw a year ago with VHS baseball, making it all the way to Fort Myers. Drew Schaltry, like I say, in with me, and then we'll switch roles uh, after the break as we talk some golf. We have a new first-time winner on the PGA Tour, uh, but one that maybe is not unexpected because uh, he has been close in a number of events and a really dominant performance at the LPGA's International Crown. But let's take a look at high schools right now. Drew, uh, welcome in. As we said, track, kind of the biggest story of the week, uh, really on multiple levels. Um, but let let before we get into, you know, kind of the good news, bad news side of Wildwood, let's take a look at VHS and a very strong contingent that is going up to Jacksonville. 27 qualifiers in all. Some of them will be alternates. 16 off the girls' side and 11 off the boys' side. Yeah, really, really strong performances, and we've seen, especially that girls team over the last couple of years, has developed so much. I think where you see it the most is in the relay teams. These are the athletes that have been in the program that have really come along, and they're qualifying as individuals as well in some cases. But the strength of the girls 4x8, the girls 4x4, the girls 4x1, that's years of work, that's years of training and practice and perfecting that's kind of gone into this. And that, you know, those, again, those teams are manned by the athletes that have been in this program for a while, have been working with Coach Ben Willis and Coach J.P. Probola and a lot of these, uh, you know, great coaches that VHS has. And it's it's showed in the team results for the girls. It has showed in the individual results for the girls and now sending 16 athletes to the state meet. That's a, a pretty good result at the end of the year. I remember us talking a year ago when Cody Hills used to sit in with us that uh, this was a really strong team team and team kind of being the key word uh, even a year ago and then being able to build into what they are this year we've we've kind of talked about it around the fringes but where do you think this team might be able to place from a team standpoint? Well, it, it's tough to say. I'd have to go through and look and see, you know, how many entrants other other teams have. If I really wanted to dive into it, I'd look at all the seeding marks and see, like, okay, where would they be expected to take points versus the other schools that have a lot of entries and stuff like that. So there's a lot that kind of goes into predicting all of that. I haven't really had a chance to dive into that just yet. But, I mean, you know, with 16, it's – it's not a it's not a bad shot. There's a couple repeat athletes in uh, that are going to get multiple events. So I mean, there's there's plenty of chances for them to pick up points. I mean, you think about if you're running, you know, 18 events, your maximum, you know, point gain is 180 or, or 100. And, yeah, if you got 18 events, 180. But 
you know, obviously you don't expect them to do that, but a winning mark for the state meet could be 55, 56. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're reasonably high in every event, if you medal in every event that you enter as a team, then you've got a shot really. So, I mean, it's just going to come down to, again, where's the overlap between them and the teams that have the most entries? Can they get points in the events where those teams aren't? That kind of thing. So a state title is certainly not entirely out of the question. It is definitely a tall task though. What would be really kind of a, a a reasonable goal? A top five finish? I think top five is certainly uh, certainly attainable for them. I know that would mean a lot to this group. Uh, this is a class that's very senior heavy. Uh, again, we talked about these athletes that have been working in this program for years. A lot of them started as freshmen. Some of them came in as sophomores, but they've really worked at this and they've been extremely competitive. We talked a lot last year about their mark of uh, at least 100 points in every single competition every at every meet. Uh, that was something that they were very proud of. They wanted to win as a team and the way they dominated their district meet this year, I think just showed how competitive this group is. They want every point they can get and they would love to go out with that kind of showing a, a podium finish, a top five finish at the state meet for this team would be really meaningful. And I think that, um, that, you know, they've kind of earned it. They've, they've put in the work, they've put in the time and and they've really built that team dynamic in a sport that is mostly individual. They want to win as a group and they take a lot of pride in that. You mentioned it's a senior laden team. Who are the names that we would be looking for in Jacksonville? Oh, uh, Leah Byron, certainly Ella Thomas, um, uh, just to name a couple of them as well. Kaylee Sosnowski uh, is on the throwing teams and also one of the relay teams. So uh, you got a couple of athletes that play multiple sports that have, you know, again, been around at VHS, put in time elsewhere as well, but are still excelling in track and and really dedicate a lot of time to this team, even if it's not their primary sport. And so that uh, those are three of the ones that I certainly will be looking for. Um, and then uh, in the throws as well, uh, Taylor Fugit, who's a, a little bit newer to – uh, the track and field, but exciting for her that she got a state berth as a senior as well. Now on the boys' side, maybe not as well, definitely not as many qualifiers, maybe not as many points to maybe have those hopes for the state title, but you can have some strong individual performance. Who are the boys that would be looking for in Jacksonville? I certainly think that four by eight team has a good shot to to do something big. Uh, David Provola, Alistair Clark, Jose Asensio Rojo, and Thatcher Clark, those guys all ran cross country together this past year. They've been really, really strong all season. They've put in a ton of work trying to get that four by eight time down uh, and I believe that they now own the school record they have the second best time in their region at 81948 which you know isn't necessarily a, a an elite state level time but you know if they run their best race who's to say they can't shave a couple seconds off of that and make a podium so I'd be interested to see that and then Jason Globig in the hurdles that guy's just an athlete uh, incredibly fast um you know, incredibly fluid going over the hurdles, just kind of had a, a little bit of a natural talent for it, and then has obviously put in that work and gotten exceptional at it. So I'd like to see what he can do at the state meet as well. On the Wildwood side, they've got 21 state qualifiers. Again, some of them are alternates, so so that affects the dynamic a little bit. And it's a really good number, and yet maybe they are a little light from what we expected And at the same time, it has been a really rough week and a half, two weeks for Wildwood as they got ready to go into regionals. Kind of take us through that, Drew. Yeah, we'll just get that out of the way. Just six days before their regional meet, one of their teammates, uh, Hannah Surface, passed away in an equestrian accident in Venice. Uh, You know, extremely, extremely brutal week. They went to... The regional meet this past Saturday, just six days after it happened, she would have been part of one of the relay teams that competed 
Uh, so, I mean, everything out there was kind of emotionally laden for them. And, um, you know, that, that's a difficult place to be, especially when you're talking about teenagers. So mm-hmm. it, it's been a, a, you know, a very up and down week. They wanted to do really well for Hannah. In some instances, they did. Uh, in some, they came up a little bit short. And I think that, that a lot of that is just the adrenaline, the emotional ebb and flow of how these things kind of go. And, uh, you know, they had the memorial service for her yesterday. A lot of the team were there at that in Ocala. So, um, you know, hopefully they've you know, had some closure. And I think that for them, obviously, they're still wanting to, to do well for Hannah to honor her memory. But I think everything's going to be a little bit more level now. They can kind of get back into a normal routine for practice. They obviously canceled Monday the day after uh, the accident last week. So I think just kind of getting back into that routine, being able to focus more on the the task at hand and kind of being able to car- compartmentalize things a little bit more going into the state meet next week having some distance now uh, from the accident will um, I think it'll help them overall and again of course they're still going to be remembering her still going to be honoring her uh, I imagine they'll do something similar at the state meet where they had markings on their hand and headbands with um, an insignia on it to to memorialize her so uh, you know she her memory will certainly still be present but I think that just emotionally they'll be in a little bit better place come next week's state meets. There were, uh, as I said, 21 qualifiers, and the two of the relays are probably the ones that uh, will be the ones to look at for Wildwood, the 4x800 boys and the 4x100 girls, right? Yeah, that 4x100 girls team has, you know, they've just been one of the best in the state for, for years now. I mean, they, they started with a couple of those girls as eighth graders and went and won a gold medal. Now, last year when Chaminade Madonna out of the Miami area dropped down into 1A, all of a sudden that class is a lot more Hello. loaded with sprinters. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they got it was a little bit tough for them last year. They came in second uh, and a, a far cry from third. Uh, in that race. So, you know, they've got to go up against that Chaminade Madonna team again this year. I believe they are the favorites in that race, but we still haven't seen, I don't think, the best uh, of the 4x100 team. The The race that they ran at regionals this past weekend was not even close, and I'm 100% certain that Ja'Kyra Corman didn't even come close to topping out on the anchor leg. I'm pretty sure she was <laughs> nearly jogging in at the end of that one. So, I mean, they could really uh, they could really do something with that 4x100 team, and they want that gold medal back. Uh, that boys 4x8 team that you mentioned, that's a special group. Those four guys have been working uh, extremely hard. That's another group that they ran cross, con- ran cross country together, have really wanted to get back to this point. They That was one of their biggest goals for this year was to qualify for state in that event. They have set and broken the school record multiple times this season. They shattered it this past weekend at regionals, and that was without um, two good laps from you know one of their top runners. You know He ran one of his worst laps, didn't have a kick on the final stretch of the third leg. So, I mean, they really are going to – they're really going to push for it uh, next week. That's one that I think they could definitely be top five or six, and that's one that where they could really push for a top three, maybe even a top two when they get into that 4x800 relay. And then it will also be the final track meet for senior Kendall Brown, who has done so much for this program. Yeah, Kendall Brown is one of the most decorated medalists that we we have in track and field around here. She's got two gold medals and two silver medals, one each in the triple jump and the 4x100. Uh, she'll be doing both of those events as well as the long jump, uh, which she should medal in as well. So she could come away from here with three medals, three potentially top three medals, 
uh, at this state meet, and that would be really cool to see for her. Again, it'll be her last time competing as a high schooler. She did just sign last week to go to the University of Florida oh, that's right. uh, to do track and field. So she is going to you know, keep going on, keep competing, but uh, I think she'd like one more great showing in the blue before she adds the orange. Moving on to uh, the other sports, uh, like I said, VHS baseball and softball both beginning their regional journeys tonight. VHS baseball played a tough schedule, came up with about a 500 record, and uh, it got them a seven seed, and they begin at Merritt Island tonight, Tuesday night, as we're recording. Yeah, they had kind of a rough finish to the the district tournament, and we kind of saw what's hurt them a little bit all year. Obviously, that team doesn't have a, a ton of offense, and so they need the pitching to go well. And uh, Ruben Barron, for whatever reason, has not been as dominant as he was last year, especially around this time of the season. And uh, he was kind of getting ahead in counts and then letting them get away, got into some wild pitches, and it, that game kind of got away from them against a very, very good North Marion team, for what it's worth. They're facing a pitcher who's going to be at the University of Florida next year. So, um, you know, certainly no shame in that loss, but I think they would have liked to have been a little bit more competitive. But going into this week, I think that this is a familiar place for that VHS baseball team. They went in as a seven seed last year after losing the district championship to Trinity Catholic, and they made it to the state semifinals. So I, I think that it's easy to kind of instill that belief in this group again. Hey, we got a similar team to last year. We got a couple good pitchers. We're not hitting extremely well, but we want it. We're scrappy. Let's go get it. Seven seed, why not us? They've been there before. It's not an improbable Cinderella story anymore. It's just where they've been. So this team has history succeeding in this position. I think it's just going to be about can they get some timely hits and the pitching just has to be there. Carter Parks is probably going to go tonight for the Buffalo. He's been their ace this year. He's been extremely solid. I would count on a good performance from him. If they can get a little bit of batting, I could see them moving on to the regional semifinals. Uh, that's extremely feasible to me. Beyond that, Tommy Jakes uh, also has been outstanding from the pitcher's mound this year. So if he can give them a good second game, that's great. And then it's just a matter of do you have enough rest or can Ruben Barron reach back and get some of what he had in the playoffs last year going into a regional final. But that's really the recipe for them to make it back to that state final four. And, and hitting is such a streaky thing. You can be just kind of plodding along sometimes all season, and then we'll use a Major League Baseball example. You can get hot in September, and all of a sudden everything is falling into place, and that's kind of what the Buffalo are hoping for. Yeah, I think what it takes is that message that Coach Alex Menendez has been trying to get all through, which is be aggressive earlier. You know, They, they take too much a little bit early in the game. They, they wait a little bit too much to maybe see what the pitcher's doing or trying to figure out what the pitcher's doing. He wants them to start swinging at balls in the first and second inning. It's something they have not done a whole lot of. I think there were four strikeouts looking in the first two innings mm. of last week's district championship, and you just, you just can't afford to do that against a guy that is going to throw a lot of strikes. So, um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to swing the bats a little bit more. They're going to have to make some contact. Sometimes you're going to hit into an out, but – at some point, you just have to put the ball in play. So, uh, I, again, he's been telling them all season he wants them to be more aggressive, especially earlier in counts, earlier in games. And if that can click for them this week, and you know, they again, timely hits, a couple of scrappy innings, that could be all it takes for them to get through to a regional final. Just got to win by one run. One run games are the key to a lot of baseball. And then on the softball side, uh, they put together a really solid record, maybe tailed off a little bit at the end. But uh, VHS, 18-6, uh, and six, and yet it only earns them a six seed. They start on Wednesday night at South Sumter, which just so happens to be a rematch of the 
Yeah. Uh, the district final. Yeah, they lost to South Sumter in that uh, that game. That was a, a tough one, obviously, against a local rival. They'd seen them before in the season. So, um, you know, history says that South Sumter's got it. But this is a team that I feel like you never know, this VHS softball team. When everything is going right for them, they look really, really good. Emily Thompson is an absolute wonder as just an eighth grader in the circle. I think that if you can get a good game from her, she can beat just about anybody in this area in softball. And uh, and then, you know, when you talk about the bats with Ella Thomas, especially leading things off, you know, if they get a run, it feels like when they get into a rhythm and they get some momentum, they can really put them up. So I think that they can contend with this South Sumter team. I think it might be a matter of belief for them. This is a team that hasn't been in this position a whole lot, uh, hasn't had a, a ton of success in recent years. They've been streaky, but this year it really feels like they were building something. Uh, the 18 and, and five record, you know, maybe a little bit uh, inflated. It's it's hard to say that they played an extremely soft schedule because they played a ton of local teams. They played the teams that every VHS sport plays in everything. Mm. Uh, it's Tavares, it's Crystal River, it's uh, Leesburg. I mean, it's it's teams that are from around here. So this wasn't like they went out and built a deliberately soft schedule with you know. It's, skunk valley christian academy or something like that i mean this is they're a, down this year though yeah, <laughs> this is a uh, a real you know it, it's a legitimate schedule and it just so happened that the, the teams on it did not perform well enough to uh, really help them in the, in the rankings this year so uh, i think again this south sumter team has been kind of a thorn for them has been one of their you know really stoppers every time they've been on a streak it feels like south sumter is the team that steps in and ends it uh, they're coming off of, you know, I think it's a, this is just the second time. If they lose, it will only be the second time, I think, that they've had a stretch of consecutive losses. So, I mean, if they can if they can get it together for one more game, get past South Sumter, you know, who knows what happens in the rest of this region. Every team has its, well, bugaboo. Yeah. And I guess for VHS softball, it's been South Sumter. For a lot of teams in Sumter <laughs> County, <laughs> no, South Sumter true. has been a bugaboo. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, and that is uh, that that game is tomorrow night at South Sumter. It's a little bit of a drive, but a far better drive than going to Merritt Island for the to watch the baseball. Yeah, team. Absolutely. And I, and I will say worth it. I mean, there's a couple seniors on this team. I mentioned Ella Thomas. Uh, also, just the, the success that these Buffalo have had this year. I think that uh, the work they've put into you know, tr- kind of turn things around, elevate things under Whitney Cosgrave. I think that they deserve some some support, uh, you know, being that they're not that far away. And you mentioned Ella Thomas, a very busy week for her. If they win their softball opener, they'll have another game to prepare for. And yet she's a big cog in the track. It's better to be busy than to be idle (laughs) at this time of year. That'll do it for the first segment of the Daily Sun Sports Podcast. When we come back, Drew and I will reverse roles a little bit, but we will talk some golf. The Wells Fargo Championship crowned a first-time winner and a, a very lucrative winner, and we will talk about a dominant performance at the LPGA International Crown right after this. From high school heroes to softball to the latest on the village's fairways, the Daily Sun brings you the best in local sports. Stay informed with the nation's fastest-growing newspaper in the nation's fastest-growing community. Subscribe to the Village's Daily Sun by calling 352-753-1119. Wrapping up today with Golf Talk as usual, Drew Schultry and Jeff Shane still with you in studio. We're talking about the Wells Fargo Championship this past weekend in North Carolina and Wyndham Clark, a first-time member of the first-place spot on the podium, gets his first PGA Tour win, beats out a couple of bigger names, and uh, finished off with a pretty nice payday as well, Jeff. 
He did, and uh, you'd figure that the natural thing for Wyndham Clark to do would be to win the Wyndham Championship a little bit further up the highway in Greensboro, but the payoff's a lot better in Charlotte as a designated event. So I'm sure he's uh, happy with his $3.6 million. Uh, Somebody did the math. It is seven times larger than his previous largest paycheck on the PGA Tour, and then, of course, it comes with all the perks that you get when you win a PGA Tour event, the entry into the Tournament of Champions, the Masters Invitation, because it is a full points event getting into, essentially, getting into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, So a really good week for a guy that had waited a long time. Another one of these college stars not like Colin Morikawa or Victor Hovland. Those guys made an impact right away. Wyndham Clark's been out here five years and has come close and has particularly come close a lot this year, but his first one over the line. Oh, and he had to do some work to get it done as well. He finished four shots ahead of second place, but second place, Xander Schauffele, he actually took the lead from him for a moment on Sunday. Just briefly, moved ahead with a birdie on seven early on Sunday, and then Clark came back and birdied number eight to tie him, and um, Schauffele bogeyed number nine, and then the race was on for Wyndham Clark. It was very much a tournament where he pulled away, and maybe the oddest thing about this particular Wells Fargo Championship is we all know that Quail Hollow is a tough course. It's hosted a PGA Championship. It hosted the President's Cup last year. Wyndham Clark got to 20 under par before a late bogey. And you sit there and you think, this what what is it with this course? But uh, he was just on fire. Xander Schauffele finished four shots back. He finished at 15 under, and then nobody else in that field was better than 12 under. So it was really a two-man race on Sunday. Yeah, it's been a long time coming for Wyndham Clark. And uh, just mentioning a couple of those other guys who are back there, Harris English and Tyrrell Hatton tied for third a few shots back there seven shots behind the winner so that's how far the the margin was yeah uh just an absolute runaway from Clark I feel like that's not something we see often that you have a first time winner win dominantly and against a pretty good field as well it just seemed like he was in this hot stretch again nobody gets to 20 under at Quail Hollow but he just was consistent didn't get himself into trouble made those mid-range birdie putts when he had the opportunity and just kept pulling away. And Schauffele, as good as he is, number six in the world rankings, could not keep up. Over on the LPGA side, we had the LPGA International Crown, and it was an exciting week if you're a fan of Thai golf. Thailand gets the win, and they look like one of the best international squads we've ever seen at this event. They had what was probably the most dominant week in the short history of the international crown 11 and one match record except for the semifinals all of their other four uh, matchups were sweeps uh it was uh, really just a, a dominant week uh aria and moria jutanagarn were unbeaten in four balls and foursomes and then you get to fill in with Patty Tavitanikit, who is a major champion of recent vintage, and you have Ataya Titikul, who was number one not all that long ago. So a really great week for Thai golf, and Australia couldn't keep up in the final. Maybe their closest 
uh, encounter was with Team USA uh, in in the semifinals. It was a 2-1 victory. Lilia Vu, she gets credit for being the only person all week to beat a Thai uh, opponent. But uh, even so, uh, it was just uh, a great week. And, and Aria Jutanagarn, uh, they decided to inaugurate an MVP award. She is the inaugural international crown MVP. Oh, that's pretty cool. And she had the, the clutch putt on 16 to finish it off. And we talk a lot about U.S. women's golf. We talk about South Korean women's golf. And I feel like Thailand, we've never really talked about the assembly. When you look at the names, obviously the Jukanagarns are players that we've talked about. We've talked about Ataya Titikul a lot. And uh, Tavitanikit has been around on some leaderboards as well. I remember seeing her a couple of years ago at the, the drive-on championship in Ocala, and she looked, she was really good in that tournament. So um, Thai women's golf really coming along, it seems. Starting to come along. I think the way it is right now is obviously you have this kind of fab four that uh, showed how talented Thai golf can be. Now, the question is who's next coming along, and I'm not even sure that those, those who follow the LPGA really close are probably able to name the next Thai golfer, but those are going to be the four that obviously bubble up to the top, but uh, they're making inroads. And I guess it's just a question of how much longer before we get that fifth and sixth and seventh tie golfer that is became to become prominent on the LPGA. Well, we've got some more good golf coming up this week. Of course, the Byron Nelson Championship, always an exciting event named after one of the, the sports greats. Uh, of course, it will be missing one of its usual entrants. Texas guy Jordan Spieth is out of the field with a wrist injury now. He is out, but uh, we do have another popular Texan headlining the field in Scotty Scheffler, and he obviously will be one of the favorites in the field, not world number two, uh, and in eight rounds at TPC Craig Ranch, which is where the tournament is, he has shot 68.25 for a scoring average. And so the only thing he may have to do is figure out a way to beat K.H. Lee because K.H. Lee is the only man to win at Craig's Ranch. Two additions, two victories, going for the first PGA Tour three-peat since 2012. Who was it that did it in 2012, Jeff? That was Steve Stricker <laughs> at the John Deere Classic. Uh, see, I had to test you there. It wasn't in the notes, so I wanted to see if you knew. Yeah, it's a, it'll be a good. I was going to ask you. Oh, I wasn't going to give you. I wasn't going to give you a clue. <laughs> it would have taken me a little bit to get to Stricker. It was like 2012. I was trying to focus in and think about who was who was where and relevant and all that stuff. I probably would have narrowed it down to about 10 guys, and then we'd have had to take some time for me to guess. Also in that field, Tom Kim, Adam Scott, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, Tom Kim as well. So pretty good field actually coming off of one designated event and uh, going into the next week. Good to see you know some more big names in the field again. That's an event that had suffered a little bit. It had. At, with scheduling, where it is in the schedule. It's still not in a great spot in the schedule because the PGA Championship is next week. And they actually broke up the Texas two-step. This is like the third or fourth year that they've done that where you have the Byron Nelson, you have the PGA Championship, and then you go right back to the Dallas Metroplex for the colonial and so it is it has suffered for a long time the the byron nelson has moved around they tried going to trinity forest golf club that didn't work out very well really hurt the field there craig's ranch is a lot better uh venue it's a weisskopf design 
But um, the fact that we have some prominent Texans now in the top 10 and top 20 of the world rankings, Spieth and Scheffler, and, you know, you can even throw in a couple of uh, other, you know, Texas uh, natives in there. Uh, it has it really helped. But uh, still, you know, I think this is the first time that Jordan Spieth has not played this event since he has been eligible. So it's got to be pretty bad wrist injury. Yeah, I'm thinking this is one that he really wanted to get into. And you know, he said it could be short term. He posted online. Uh, it could be short term, might be longer, but he's working to get back as fast as he can. That's all we really know right now. So hopefully it won't keep him out of the PGA Championship. But you got to take that caution absolutely and kh lee is the third man this year by the way to be seeking a three-peat on the pga tour victor hovland couldn't do it sam burns couldn't do it now it's his turn well that'll be fun to watch Uh, also fun to watch the lpga founders cup is coming up this weekend they're in new jersey again for the third year Uh, what are we going to see over there jeff well the Minji Lee is the defending champion, and this is, as you mentioned, the third year in New Jersey. It's a tournament that originated in Arizona, uh, but the date was an issue. They wanted kind of this May date to maybe maximize the field, which you really can't do in May in Arizona, and so they moved it to New Jersey. Arizona's got a new uh, event that played earlier this year, and uh, they will have 34 of the world's top 50. Lydia Ko is uh, in the field. Jin Young Ko, she's the only two-time champion of the event. Nelly Korda is coming over after the international crown. Uh, Little nugget of note that uh, the season began at the Tournament of Champions down at Lake Nona in Orlando. Not since then has there been an LPGA event in the Eastern time zone until they tee off on Thursday. Yep, first one back over on this side. And then, uh, speaking of three-peats, Taylor Gooch going for one over on the Live Tour. And a different three-peat because he is trying to win his third consecutive start. He became only the second man to win two starts in the short life of LIVs. So, and he's doing it essentially coming to i won't say his backyard but maybe his neighbor's backyard it's in tulsa this week and he is one of five oklahoma state alumni in the field so red hot taylor gooch coming off two wins in australia and singapore now he can try to do it in front of a home crowd and uh, it's hard to say that uh, he won't at least be in contention the way that he has been playing almost ran away with everything in Australia was much more solid on the final day in Singapore. And uh, just, he is obviously the headliner this week. Well, I want to ask you, you know, what's with the friction in the Oklahoma state golf programs? There's five live guys on the tour, but none of them are on the same team, Jeff. Why don't they want to play together? That is very interesting. (laughs) I guess one of them has to step up and become like a team owner and then bring all of his friends in. Maybe Taylor Gooch can afford it now after back-to-back $8 million yeah, paydays. there it is. But uh, he is uh, he's one of five. You also have Charles Howell. He's part of the Crushers. Uh, by the way, K- Taylor Gooch is part of the Range Goats. You have Eugenio Kachara. He's with the Fireballs. You have Matthew Wolf. He's with uh, Smash G- Golf Club. And... I knew I was going to get to the fifth, and it was <laughs> it was going to uh, it, uh, I was going to wind up drawing a blank on him. Anyway, there's five. Yeah, 
I think you'll be forgiven for for not knowing all five um, Oklahoma State alums on the, the LIV tour. We'll we'll give you a pass on that one, but just Abraham come better prepared Ansher's next time. in there, but he's he's University of Oklahoma. That's true. I remember that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for golf. Should be a fun week. That's actually going to do it for the podcast as well. Sorry we had to go a little bit shorter today, but we've got certain time constraints that we're working under. So uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a full episode. Uh, want to thank you for joining us. Thank you to Jeff, as always, for being in studio with me. Thank you to Chris Siegel uh, and Keith Perlman, our sports editors and executive producers. We'll be back with more next week, like I said. In the meantime, if you could please like us, rate us, and review us on whatever app you're listening to us on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate that as well. We'll be back with more next Tuesday, and until then, we'll see you out on the playing fields. Mm-hmm.